Welcome everybody. This is Noob Dev Talks. I am Jose Rivera, and with me I have Adam Not Cheese, aka Adam Reed, and we have a guest as well. We have Zach from the Coop. He has graced us with his presence this afternoon. Mister uh, Mister Grumay is the product manager, <laughs> so he's not necessarily a dev. So uh, we wanted to have him today just to have a different perspective different angle from a different position uh so yeah welcome zach hey guys how's it going it's beautiful zach it's just beautiful i want to start it off very very straightforward really quick here how did you get into product management in the first place oh well, that's a, a long story. How much time do we have? Cause... We've, about 30 minutes. So either give us spark notes or let it just fly, man. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you the cliff notes. Okay. Um, I, I was working in sales up until April of last year. Mm -hmm. And uh, a few years ago, I found myself like really uh, unsatisfied in my current position. But I was making decent money. Mm -hmm. So I started talking to my friends and family who worked in actually as developers about becoming a developer. And specifically my brother-in-law said, um, oh, you don't belong in that development space. Like you don't fit that personality type, you mm -hmm. know? He's like, you won't be happy. And he pushed me to become a scrum master. Uh, I looked into becoming a scrum master. Mm -hmm. um, funny, cause that's kind of what I'm doing now, right? Right, but, uh, agile. The process, the process to become a scrum master from sales is quite a long and arduous one. <laughs> so, um, I, uh, long story short, I ended up taking a UX immersive. Um, mm -hmm. And when I finished my UX immersive, they were like, poof, you're a UX designer. And I was like, <laughs> I don't really feel like a UX designer. Mm -hmm. So in my quest for more education, I stumbled on product. And mm -hmm. that's when I was like, oh, this makes so much more sense. <laughs> that's, the, that's the cliff notes gotcha what is there any like key elements in ux design that you got from your immersion course that you can like elaborate on like what do you notice now in websites that you wouldn't have noticed before taking the course well i you know basic design principles and things like that um i noticed like like more so on apps like when i download mm -hmm. an app mm -hmm. i'll notice like things that maybe I would have done differently or, um, you know, like the, the design choices of the designers. Um, and I question a lot of those, but it's, it's also, um, like I'd say in customer experience mm -hmm. because user and customer experience are very similar. Mm -hmm. So, um, one of the things that I notice, like you just like go to Taco Bell or whatever it is, you know, and yeah. like your experience, I mean, if you, to take the Apple store, for example, right? Like the Apple store, you have a, like, it's all geared around your experience. I, I just mm -hmm. read an article about this last week. Um, and he was talking about how, um, like you're never left alone for long periods of time in the Apple store. In other words, like you go in and you check in, but once someone, like once someone's working with you, like mm -hmm. they make that checkout so seamless. Like they, they don't like, they don't go in the back for a half hour to get the product and come out and then like make you wait online. Like it's mm -hmm. all seamless. And those are the things that I've always noticed, but that directly relate to that, you know, to that UX immersive. Okay. So does that answer your question? Exactly. That was super in detail. 
Wow. That, that was such a such a good example that I can personally relate to that. Right. I was like, oh, yeah, it's like it's something that I never noticed because I now that he said Apple, I was thinking of like a T-Mobile store, you know, when you're like getting a phone or something and they always right. like leave and you got to wait. Right. Uh, that's that's very good. That's very good. You're left just twiddling your thumbs, you know. The thing, the thing with that, the difference between the Apple store and the cell phone stores is the cell phone stores aren't making money on the cell phone. They're making money on all the crap they sell you. Hey, yeah. here's these Bluetooth headphones and check out this cool thing. And that's what they're making money on. So when they go in the back, like like I, when I briefly worked at one, we're, we're taught to like take, to find out things about you and come out with accessories that <laughs> might fit your lifestyle. Right, which is the biggest load of crap, if you ask me. Because like, I go to a cell phone store, I want a phone and get the hell out of there. I'm buying right. my case on Amazon. I'm not, you know, I wasn't born yesterday. <laughs> I know that case isn't fifty dollars. It's five bucks on Amazon. So this is with the Apple store. They don't try to sell you those accessories. Like they're there if you want them, but they'll never push them on you. And that's one of their customer experience things. I feel like they Apple's make enough like, on the actual product itself, though, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> But Apple's like prided themselves on customer experience, just in general. You so know? Apple, if you want to sponsor us, we will welcome you with open arms. <laughs> no problem at all. No problem at all. If, Apple, if you're looking for a product manager, I will send or you my resume. <laughs> or developers. <sighs> oh, but Zach, you spoke that you did sales. What what kind of sales were you into before the UX course? Well, I came from tangible goods. Um, mm -hmm. My my career started in restaurants, so I started okay. by like, you know, slinging hash, if you know what I mean. Not okay. the hash you're thinking of, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Selling food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bartending, and then I realized I couldn't do that my whole life, mm -hmm. so I got into restaurant supply. Okay. I started selling beer, and then I sold CO two for a while. Um, <laughs> I owned my own business for a little while where I sold non-alcoholic beverages. Mm -hmm. um, when I sold that and I moved to Colorado, um, I took a job. Uh, well, first I took a job in a cell phone store. Mm -hmm. Big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first thing when I moved to town, they were hiring. I was like, all right, I'll take this for a little while. Um, I worked for, a, for an abrasives company and I sold uh, sandpaper and cutting discs and grinding discs, uh, saw blades. Oh. It was fascinating work because like going to work every day was like like going to like watch an episode of how it's made like right i know how every like everything everything around you is made with abrasives and i've been in the places that are making them and like i said it was fascinating <laughs> but it didn't like it didn't give me any satisfaction because it didn't matter if i sold you another box of sandpaper it wasn't making any big impact on the world yeah so anyway so but yeah it's so nice. that's what but it's nice. It's a transition that's similar to mine where I was in restaurants and then I slowly, you slowly just move into more important roles as you progress. Well, right. I mean, yeah, my first job at a restaurant was washing dishes. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I was a busboy. Like and then like you work your way, you know, work your way through the kitchen and you're like, oh, you see all the servers making all that money. Oh, we're yeah. going to work as a server. And then like you work your way up, you know. But, you know, once you realize that like, that's like that might be the life you want to live if that's the life you want to live that's great but that wasn't for mm -hmm. me like I, when i was 20 i didn't mind working till three four o'clock in the morning but 
I'm 43 years old, man. I don't want to be. I just want to go to bed. Now, I know we've spoken about uh, during the coop. Uh, what kind of impact has the coop made for you being a product manager? Like, how has that changed your outlook on it? Or I actually. Your... Mm-hmm. Well, it's 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 changed my ability to talk about product. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before before I was before I was working with the coop, I was fresh out of my you know my online courses and um, mm-hmm. sitting down and talking to a hiring manager. Uh, I, I don't know I don't know like your your guys' experience with development, but you know when when I took all these online courses, like you un- I understood the theory, mm-hmm. but um, understanding. You know, basically how to, how to speak like a product manager, mm-hmm. um, and volunteering for for the coop gave me the product manager experience, which allowed me to speak like a product manager. So mm-hmm. that when I talk to these hiring managers and whatnot, um, like I, it, you know, it it comes across that I know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. What do they say? They say fake it till you make it, right? Right. Well, if you're not talking like you know what you doing then no one's going to believe that you can do the job so right yeah that's it's exactly the same for us it's it's allowed us to be able to speak from experience Uh, so it's it's exactly the same thing just on our side yeah i mean uh one one of the things that that i was struggling with i don't i don't know how detailed you guys want to get into this (laughs) but was that was user stories and i took like three different courses on user Mm -hmm. stories and I had questions that I couldn't, you can't answer from a video. Mm-hmm. So I was struggling in interviews and finally, actually I went to my brother-in-law and we broke down uh, a, a login user story, like the yeah. user story for, for just for a simple, you know, for a login. And once we like went through it, like step-by-step, step, it clicked with me. Mm-hmm. And now I actually use that story about talking to my brother-in-law in interviews. <laughs> and I, I explained to them how like, you know, cause they, cause they want to know like, where, you know, how do you know what do you know you know who do you know they want to know all this so in in my in my my story mm-hmm. one of the things i bring up is not understanding what user stories were i'm not so much not understanding but not understanding the application of user stories yeah until sitting down with my brother-in-law and him like and just breaking down something so simple as a login you know it can get yeah, in I mean... detail we did that in the boot camp jose we uh we broke down user stories um and you just get so minute with every step well see it's, and it's funny because where, where you may think it's minute it's a broad brush for me and that was one of the things like like coming out of out of uh, user experience mm-hmm. um you're taught to look at every every detail and like consider you know consider well do we need a forgot password and do we you know do we need a login button and um in speaking to my brother-in-law like he, I'll, I'll just break it down for you he he was like i was like all right so we're, we're making a login screen he's like yeah he goes what's the first step i said um i don't know he goes you're gonna go talk to your development team mm-hmm. and he goes and you're gonna find out what package you're using and i went well what do you mean and he goes well your development team's not gonna de- they're not gonna rewrite google off it's a package <laughs> they're gonna buy it you know are you using google off using facebook what are you gonna use to log in he goes, after that, you're going to go to your design team. And I go, oh, and I'm going to talk to them about a login. But he goes, no, you're not. He goes, it's a, if you don't trust your designers to know that you need a login button and a forgot password button, then you need to go hire new designers. 
He goes, but you got as a product manager, you got to paint with a broader brush. Mm-hmm. You look at things from a ten thousand foot foot level. Mm-hmm. You know, um, where I think you guys are absolutely interested in, you know, what you're doing and how you're doing it from a product manager standpoint. It's more directing you that this needs to be done. Yeah. So. Yeah, you 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 also kind of serve as a bridge between us the developers and the design team to kind of like keep us like in check with each other in a way mm-hmm. uh so you you're you're keeping you're keeping track of us and you're keeping track of the designers so it's it's quite a quite a, a heavy job you got it's a, it's a balancing act you know it's holding the chair and the whip at the same time are hard <laughs> yeah that's really what, like so a, a product manager stands on the on the border of design, uh, mm-hmm. development, and business, and balances all those aspects. Right. It's about keeping like you guys happy, keeping the designers happy, and keeping the stakeholders happy. So. Yeah, and that's that's one thing before um, before I even started getting into developing, uh, I I didn't even think about you know product managers like. I just thought, okay, I'm gonna develop websites, and that's all I'm gonna do. Like, <laughs> not even a design team. Like, whenever whenever I heard about design teams, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense, whatever. But then, like, all these other positions, you know, like Scrum Master and like all these other extra things, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, there's all these things exist. I thought it was just like I develop and somebody else looks at it, and then it's all good and move on, you know. <laughs> but. Uh, I think that's that's kind of where I was coming from too. When I first when I first stepped into it, and you know, I went to my brother-in-law and I was like, I'm going to become a developer, not understanding that there were all these other different positions that you could do. And right. in fact, you guys coming from a dev background, have opened yourselves up to all sorts of other opportunities besides just development. Mm-hmm. And I encourage you to look into like the other things you can do with a development background. You know. Well, for a lot of web developers, I think even if you don't want to get into crucial details with UI and UX design, just on a personal level, not on like a full product, um, I think that's important if you're like making personal projects, like you should know fundamentals of UI and UX and at the very least a little bit of graphic design mm-hmm. just to give things a, like personal touches, you know? Because that, that, would, that would qualify you as a quote unquote full stack uh developer because you you have to know if things are looking right not just Mm. make them that would be going the extra mile as well because even just with full stack jose that's just knowing front end back end you know and be able to publish for the most part uh with this like you're going the extra mile to be able to be like yeah i can ship a full product myself if i have to if it's it's just it's a quality quality full stack yeah well that that's that's actually something in the UX immersive that they talked about about um about making yourself a, like a one stop shop. Mm-hmm. And they were very discouraging about that. They were like, you don't want to have a development background and a UX background because people are gonna expect you to do both. And I'm saying like, I'm looking for a job. <laughs> like, you want to like double load me? All right, <laughs> that's know? fine. Overtime, thank you. Yeah, well, it's not even the overtime. It's the it's the opportunity. You're, we're we're mm. all looking for our first opportunity in the industry, right? And, yeah, you know, I, 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 do 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 we want to talk about what the, the thing? Is? 
You know, I don't know if we want to talk about that. <laughs> but, uh, Go ahead. But no, but like when I say I don't care if they're dumping babies in the ocean. Oh goodness. <laughs> you know? A job's a job, you know. But like, 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 like that's the thing is that like I'm looking for my first opportunity, and like that's when when I got out of that's why I continued my my education, and mm. I took I took you know intro to HTML, I took CSS. I yeah. Took, uh, well, I think I think uh, their their approach to it is, or their their outlook is. Uh, they don't want to have like a generalist, like somebody that knows a little bit of everything. They, they're mm -hmm. focusing more on, on a specialized thing. So they want to have somebody that just does design and just does front end and stuff like that. Just because they like you can get a lot more done and you can learn and get better, a lot mm -hmm. better when you're specialized in one thing. And I think that's how like the industry is shaped. Mm -hmm. uh, Absolutely. There's, there's not that many generalists. And normally when you have a generalist, you're not hired at a company, you're a freelancer or something like that. Because mm -hmm. you, you just rather make money on your own if you can do everything. Um, right, so I think right. that's that's the mission behind these boot camps and stuff like that. I think my, my attitude towards it was I needed to make myself as marketable as possible. Yeah, that's my idea behind it. Like I don't, yeah. I like doing graphic design stuff and UI and UX just makes sense to understand like when you're, when you're actually building things. Yeah, so, I, I totally agree, but that that's my opinion as well just to be open to anything and know a little bit and, and feel comfortable with a little bit of everything uh but i i think that will stop for me as soon as i get a job uh so as soon as i get a job developing i'll, I'll probably just focus on you know the area where my job is taking me and mm -hmm. i won't really venture out into other fields uh, just because I want to get really good at that. It's not like I'll close myself off, but like the time that I'll that I normally spend like searching and learning new things in other fields mm -hmm. uh, is gonna diminish when I do actually get a job. I caution you against that because this is an always learning uh, industry, mm. and if you're not learning, then you're not you're not and you're not growing, then you're gonna get stagnant in whatever job you're in. Yeah, no, I, I don't mean like not learning. I mean like, like if I'm working as a developer, but right, right. now I'm I'm looking at like some design videos or some like, um, I don't know, techniques to, I don't know, just something that's not related to development specifically. Like, okay, obviously I, I want to keep on learning. I understand, Jose. Right, you understand? If you're doing, if you're doing, if you're doing back end, you don't need to center a dev. I understand. No, 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 no. I, I don't mean like, I mean, staying within the same. So like, if, if I'm going to be working as a developer, I'm obviously mm -hmm. going to be all about the development front end or back end. It doesn't yeah. matter which side I'm working on. But if I'm working as a developer and I have a job, I'm, I'm not going to worry as much about like design principles and stuff like that. Like, I'm, I'm just not going to focus mm -hmm. on that that much. I would um, encourage you to continue to learn that because it's only going to make you a better developer. Yeah, I agree with because Zach. Maybe maybe I'm giving the design example right, well, as a bad example. Honest, right. So so take the coop for example. Right. Now they give you a Figma file, and you have questions about it. Well, why why is this done like this and not like this? Because it's easier for me to make this screen rather than that screen, or whatever mm -hmm. you know whatever the example is. If you understand the design principles and why they you know why they chose to to do things a certain way, then you don't even have to ask those questions. Right. You know. If you understand the design principles, then then you're you're making your job easier. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and that's what I mean, like, uh, of a basic understanding of design. I don't mm-hmm. need to get too specific about it. That's what I mean by not learning anymore on, on other departments or fields. Uh, just get a basic understanding to where I, I understand the basic things that I need to know and not go any further. Well, personally, what I've been doing, um, I've been starting to get back into more graphic design stuff. I've been looking at typography a lot and a lot of abstract things to try to incorporate into my portfolio. Um, Finding a lot of cool stuff. I didn't know typography could get so crazy. Oh, there's a, a, a movie on, I think it's on Prime, called Helvetica. Ooh fascinating <laughs> it's all about typography no way yeah i think it, i think it's what last time i looked it was on, it was on prime um oh sweet well i yeah, will definitely be watching that i will yeah, be watching yeah, that definitely if you're into typography check that out because that's like i said it was that was fascinating and uh i took a typography class on linkedin um and did i tell you about that the, the... I think so. Uh, we spoke briefly about it, uh, but you yeah. could go into more detail with it if you'd like. Oh, I, I, again, I'm trying to behave myself. <laughs> <laughs> but if you ask me later, I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> no, but it's an interesting thing. And like uh, different ways people lay out colors, like different color choices, um, reasons for it, uh, ways colors make people feel. Uh, oh yeah, well that's called color theory. Um, yeah, it's like if you notice that that LinkedIn and Facebook are the same colors. Yeah, the, the blue that uh that. that it's like, called trustworthy fluffy. blue. Yes. Really. <laughs> yeah, it's blue, the, the, like the most the most trustworthy color. It's the it's the LinkedIn color. It's the Facebook color. Wow, I didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> yeah. You learn something new every day. Yeah, and then a lot of there's a lot of websites like that, um, and that use that same blue. Um, mm-hmm. It's like red is not. A, I mean, you can, we can all come up with examples where there's red, but red is not as common, uh, like used in websites, mm-hmm. because it, it it evokes a certain feeling. Yeah. Well, Instagram has like a red gradient to it. Like I said, purplish orange. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's not like bright red. <laughs> But yeah, like I mean, I was is it is it DoorDash or Grubhub? Yeah, yeah, DoorDash what? and Grubhub yeah. are red. Yeah, yeah, DoorDash and Grubhub. Yeah. Uh huh. Well, if you look up, if you want, really want to study color, color theory, look up the connection between red and food, because right. you go to McDonald's, you go to Burger King, and those are red. Like look at the red and yellow. Oh yeah, red and yellow. Red indicates food, like psychologically. Ketchup like, and mustard. It's all color theory. Mustard is yellow, there, buddy. Yeah, that's what that's what <laughs> I'm saying. The McDonald's logo, red and yellow. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but like that's the thing. Like, so there's different things like that evoke different feelings in you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um. Ooh. That's a, that's being super fa- like that's super fascinating to me. <laughs> I've gotten like very surface level with it. Uh, my other friend is a graphic designer, and he. He likes to get really uh, sentimental with his choices, like where his lines go and why they go there and his color choices. He gets very articulate with it. That sounds like any designer to me. Yeah. 
<laughs> that, that's why I can't do it, man. I just don't care. I wouldn't as mind it. it. I like it. As long as it looks like logically good, like it's not obviously ugly or like obviously wrong, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm fine with it. Just, you know, there's good contrast. It, it looks okay. Just move on. Oh, Maybe. wait. I have a question for Zach. Yeah, um, now, what is it that you like about, uh, what is it, the Bauhaus or like modernism? Well, so I, I live in a mid-century modern house. Mm -hmm. um, I like the clean lines of most modern furniture. I, you know, so I grew up, I grew up in a in a colonial area, in uh -huh. a colonial center hall colonial house. Yeah. But my my mom's like like uh, taste in furniture was more contemporary. Okay. So not like we we didn't have like super modern furniture. We had contemporary furniture. Where it was very clean lines. Mm -hmm. And um, when I moved out to Denver. Around the corner from my apartment was a mid-century modern neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Now, I grew up in an area that was settled in 1629. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> mid-century modern. <laughs> so I used to drive through this neighborhood and just love the style and love the love the like the feeling that it evoked. Mm -hmm. And um, when I had the opportunity to buy a house, I bought one of these houses. <laughs> and um, and I, you know, and then I started studying like the history of it and. I mean, it's it's fascinating to me, like the whole the whole history, the whole mid-century modern, like the the I don't want to say revolution because it's not a revolution, but the the movement. Yeah. Um, my house was designed for minimalist living, so there's like a lot of floor-to-ceiling windows. Mm -hmm. There's like I live in a it, it's a 1,600 square foot house, but it's, there's 27 windows in my house. <laughs> so, you think there wouldn't be a lot of privacy, but all the houses were set on the lot. Um, they're all rotated so that like my my front door faces my neighbor the side of my neighbor's house right there's a big window wall and you know around my front door mm -hmm. but it looks like the, so it looks at the side of my neighbor's house so I'm not staring in like my neighbor's living room and stuff like that <laughs> and they're all intentionally built that way mm -hmm. and there's so much about it that's just fascinating to me it was so well thought out mm -hmm. um, but like that the whole going back to the whole thing with minimalist living I didn't grow up a minimalist, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> so I had a lot of crap. Yeah, me too. When I was when I was shopping for a house, like back in New York, I, I had a rental house. I lived in for eight years, mm -hmm. and when I moved, um, there was so much crap in that house. <laughs> I mean, a big pile of garbage on the front lawn. And then I, I moved out here, and I just like whatever I could fit in a trailer. I got rid of all my furniture. And I moved into this apartment, and I said, I'm not leaving this apartment until I buy a house. And when I bought my house, like, I I, ba I barely threw anything away. And I brought it all over here, and I'm like, I, I need stuff. <laughs> but the fact is, like, I don't live like, I don't live like I grew up. Like, I don't have a mm -hmm. bunch of shelves with crap on it. Like, it's intentionally minimalist, and I like that. It's very clean. You know, not not like I'm not, I'm not like scrubbing the bathroom every day, but you know, yeah. Just when you walk into the house, there's not a bunch of crap around. Exactly. Now, and like it doesn't feel cluttered. I feel that I do. That's my biggest problem. I'm it a pack rat. You can walk through it. I promise. Have you made a path? No, no. You, you, <laughs> just you put can, things aside. I promise it's not cluttered. <laughs> oh. But to close off this episode, Zach, I want to ask you, what is your favorite color? My favorite color? Yes. Um, puce. 
What All shade right, I'm of... Gonna, I'm going to need, like, an explanation on this yeah, color. Yeah, we need an explanation. You need to Google it, then. I don't even know how to spell that color. <laughs> I don't either. Puce is P-U-C-E. It's like a dark red, a purple brown. Um, no, that's, that's my dad. Literally, literally the <laughs> definition on Google is of a dark red or purple brown color. Sorry, I just did that. <laughs> no, that's my, like, that's my dad used to say. Um, I like green, but, um, mm -hmm. I, you know, we were talking about this last week. Uh, like that avocado, 70s avocado green. <laughs> yes, like, yes. It's awesome to me. It's like I grew up around like that. I grew up in a house that was built in the 70s. So we had like a green bathroom and a yellow bathroom, that puke yellow bathroom, and then like oh, that baby bathroom. I'm sure you know the bathrooms I'm talking about. <laughs> I got to agree, oh. avocado green is a nice color. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to say this was a marvelous episode. Thank you, Zach, for spending time with us and answering all of our questions. No problem. Thank you for all of your advice, and we'll see you guys on the next one.